Lecture topic: Living the culture of Islam. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-ladhin istafa. Amma ba'du fa'audu billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillahi al-Rahman al-Rahim. ہیں and not taking things from the ways of the Yahud and Nasara. This was briefly discussed previously. But this is such a topic and such an aspect that requires very great focus and a great amount of emphasis because the situation that we find ourselves in is that in almost every part of life apart from maybe a few things in almost every part of life there is some degree of having drifted away from the pure and the noble Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and something of the west something of the ways of the yahud and nasara has been taken into our lives the one aspect that we keep discussing and lawls we will still keep discussing is the aspect of dressing for example dressing and then the other aspect we also discuss often is the aspect of weddings and functions Now, these are two aspects that are very often discussed but it is not confined to that like that there are many other aspects of life our mannerisms our ways our habits in various aspects our very thinking much of this has in some way or the other been influenced by the way of the yahud and nasara by the ways of the west whereas deen is a complete way of life it is a culture that allah taala has given us a complete way of life and is not confined to just certain aspects only that mashallah the ibadat we are doing we are doing it without any uh emulation or any way imitating the yahud and nasara and the kufar we are doing it as has been given to us in the quran and sunnah so yes indeed that's a tremendously great thing that's the fundamental thing but just as we are conscious that we should not imitate anybody else in the form of worship and in our ibadat so likewise our deen relates to all the other aspects of life as well 
it relates to our dressing it relates to our functions it relates to our weddings it relates to our manners and ways and habits and our day to day lifestyle our thinking it relates to everything now what the issue is that when people live alongside each other people of different cultures so now obviously one group has a certain way in many many things and another group has a different way in many many things and now both are living side by side like it happens now in many countries of the world in south africa for that matter being a minority the muslims are a very small minority here we barely make up a few percent of the whole population so while some will be living in communities and in areas where there might be many muslims but most are not living in communities where the majority are muslim then where the majority are muslim also sometimes will be maybe neighbors they are going to be uh, whatever other situations of life they are going to have to interact with them so now obviously two different cultures are going to meet so now somebody is dressed in a certain way for example somebody is dressed in a cloak in a niqab she is dressed in a very very modest manner and now she has to meet with somebody who is now completely in a different lifestyle person might not have iman out of some necessity some extreme need or whatever so now she is going to meet with someone so now these are two totally opposite scenes that are going to now come face to face somebody is dressed in the most proper manner in a very decent manner very modest manner in the way that deen requires and somebody is in the totally opposite manner completely opposite to what deen requires the haya that deen has taught that haya is completely trampled in that other style of dressing in that way of talking in that manner of conducting oneself so now when these two different cultures are going to meet in this manner two different people both having their own culture so this is where the aspect of what they call enculturation takes place enculturation the one people of one culture and the people of the other culture enculturation means the people of one culture will now start borrowing and taking things from people of the other culture now just to take this from a different example some years back there was one journalist who had been captured in afghanistan she was a female journalist and while she was a journalist covering some for her whatever newspaper or whatever media she was working for so she was based in afghanistan this is going back many years when there was the rule previously of the taliban and she was now based there and covering the news and see whatever happened allah knows best the details she got captured by the taliban and now she was in captivity now in this captivity she got to see many things 
of the Muslims. And eventually, she accepted Islam and then she adopted the full dress of a Muslimah. And once she had to meet some high profile Muslim person in a very high profile position in some country, and that person offered to shake hands with her. And she was very upset about this. Why? Now she had come new into Islam and she had seen so many things, then she learned about it, she studied it and she then realized that this is the real thing, this is what is life all about and this is where all the true beauty and purity lies and this is what really makes a person something, this is what is to be lived for and to die for. So she accepted it, mashallah, wholeheartedly. And now when a Muslim person in a very high profile position and supposed to be a little bit learned also and he offered to shake hands because now she had to meet for whatever the need was so she came fully in her niqab etc and now he wanted to shake hands so she was extremely upset about it now this is the lesson to take you now she came from a western background so she lived that kind of lifestyle dressed in that manner she was obviously very very deep in that way of living because she grew up in that she had no idea about Islam she had no idea about the way of deen about the modesty that deen teaches but then Allah Ta'ala made this a means of her getting exposed to this beautiful way of life and Alhamdulillah she accepted Islam so now the question is why she accepted it why she adopted this now she came from a from a society and from a kind of lifestyle where it is called free that if people are living in that manner then they are free that is what they call themselves they are free and they are very very advanced that's what people think and believe they are very liberated and they are this and they are that and all these kind of things that is the concept that people have about the women of the West and so on they are very liberated and they are very free and they are very educated and they are very advanced and they are all these stories now she came from that background now, on the other side if somebody is dressed in a proper Islamic manner they are not mixing and intermingling with males the segregation is being maintained now the western women look at such a person and they feel very sorry for her they say, oh ho, inna lillah they won't say inna lillah but that's the crux of it that this is a really oppressed person and this person is really her rights are being trampled and she is completely in shackles and all these various things now that's how they look at it and that's why currently there's so much of a hubbub and uh, issue that now this new government has come in in Afghanistan will they uphold women's rights now the woman's rights the word woman's rights now what is woman's rights so now the woman's rights that the West has and the rights that they talk about is the right to now be totally free from all kind of modesty and shame so you must not be living a life of modesty and shame you must be free to be shameless you must be free to be disobedient to any elder 
because you are an independent person, so you must have nobody that is going to be your senior, your elder, and you must be free to live a life of following desires and do whatever you please. There should be no restriction of any sort. That's the freedom that they talk about, and that's the woman's rights that they want. So now that 12-year-old girl, she must have her own choice. What she wants to do, how she wants to dress, who she wants to meet with, who she wants to go away with somewhere. And in many Western countries, as soon as the child is 13 or 12 or something, the parents have no say left over the child. So that child is now free, very, very big inverted commas, free. And now she's free to do what she wants, go where she wants. And if the parents are trying to restrict some of her wrong movements, then all she has to do is now go and report it to the authorities and they will free her from her parents. Again in big inverted commas, free her from her parents. And the government will now provide all the necessities that she can now go and do as she pleases. Now this is the kind of life. And then what's the end result of that? Whole societies of delinquents, societies of people steeped in drugs and all kinds of haram activities and and they mess their own lives up, they become completely misfits in society, they don't have any purpose in life, they become a problem for themselves and a problem for others. Now that's the kind of society that they have. And that's what they are trying to create in the Muslim societies. So now that's the freedom that they talk about. Now again coming back to the story that we were talking about, that this lady came from this so-called free society. From this so-called society where everything was, what she wanted to do, she had come as a single person all the way from whichever country she came from, the States, wherever, and she had come to Afghanistan as a reporter, and she was living by herself there, and she was reporting, and that was fine for her, she was very okay with that, because that was the kind of lifestyle she came from, and nobody had any problem with it. Now that's the lifestyle she had, she was probably dressing as she wanted, and she was doing all kinds of things, and now she came into she got exposed to a different culture. She got exposed to the culture of Islam, to the culture of Haya, to the culture of Deen, to the culture of that there won't be free intermingling, to the culture that you will not touch and shake hands with a non-mahram, to the culture of Niqab, to the culture of this Ibadat at different times, this Fajr Salah, this Zuhar Salah, the Asr, then now you must make sure you don't miss your Maghrib, make your Isha before you go to sleep, and especially in these countries, in the West, the many countries on that end of the world, in summer the Isha is at sometimes quarter past 11 and half past 11, you don't sleep before you perform your Isha, and Fajr is at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock maybe some places in the mid-summer, so now you make sure you wake up in time for Fajr, whatever else. So now this is the culture she is seeing, coming from that Western background, and she saw this and she accepted it. She decided this kind of dressing she doesn't want. She wants to take that dressing of the Muslims, that dressing of Haya. She doesn't want to live this life of just you can do as you please. She wanted that life of those restrictions that Sharia has placed. She obviously was a journalist, she was a reporter, she came to a foreign country to report. So she had all this uh, thinking that could have would have gone into it. She was not just somebody that was just uh, getting pushed into something. She very much was researching herself and checking out what was going on. 
And then she made a conscious decision after whatever she studied and whatever she researched and having seen firsthand, she made a conscious decision to leave behind all the other things of, that, of her whole life that she was living thus far. She grew up in that mode of life. She grew up in that so-called freedom. She grew up in everything of the West and now she wanted to drop everything and adopt this culture of Islam. Why? The question is why? And it's a very important question for us to understand the answer to and to digest this. Why she did that? Somebody will say, but what's the big deal about that question? Such a simple question. Such a simple question and such a straightforward answer. What's, you don't need to be a genius to work out the answer to this question. It's obvious that she found this better. She looked at what she was seeing and she said, this is definitely better. And this is what's to be taken to heart. This is what's to be adopted. If somebody doesn't, many people are not in Islam and they don't want to come into Islam. People invite them, but they don't want to accept yet. Why they don't want to accept? Now, there can be many reasons. But some of the reasons, among the reasons, some of them look at the actions of certain Muslims that they know. Now they know some Muslims who they interact with. It might be some neighbors. It might be some friends. It might be some people that they work for. It might be some people that they work with. Whichever way they interact with Muslims. Now they know so many Muslims. Somebody might know 20. Somebody might know 30. Somebody 50. That's the circle that they know in terms of Muslims. Somebody is working in a place. Many Muslims are there so they know so many. Somebody is in some place where they are studying or whatever there is Muslims so they get to know them. Now that's the number of people they know who are Muslim. And here and there they would see some Muslims, they would see some things. But now these are the people that they interact with, they know them. And what are the actions of these people? That becomes their impression of Islam. Which is totally wrong to think in that manner that whatever somebody is doing because that person is a Muslim then that must be Islam it's possible that that could be Islam and it's possible that this person is not doing what Islam told him now, a person is being kind and generous a person is being modest the person is being forgiving the person is being uh, good in so many ways so now why is he good like that? because obviously Islam taught him to be like that but now if a person is stealing Islam hasn't taught to steal Nauzubillah. Islam has said that the thief's hand will get cut off. Because this is how serious Islam views stealing as. Islam has said a lie, a Muslim will never lie because a lie is such a major sin that Islam says that a person who lies, a stench comes out of the mouth. Though humans may not be able to perceive it, but the angels perceive it. And that stench is so severe that the angels flee to the extent of one mile. Now, there are so many strong smelling things. Somebody sometimes cooking something very strong smelling. But how far? You'll get this, that smell 50 meters away, 20 meters away, 50 at the most, 100 away. 100 is very far. You won't get it so far. Many, many strong smelling things. How far? But here the stench is so severe that the angels go one mile away to escape that stench. The angels of Rahmat. So now lying is such a myth. So now if some Muslim, Allah forbid, is lying, that can't be Islam. Islam has said this is such a major sin. 
if some Muslim is dressing in an immodest manner, obviously that can't be Islam, because Islam has not taught that, Islam has taught against that, against immodesty. But now the person who doesn't have that knowledge, they see the Muslims around them, who are unfortunately those few that they know, or many of those few that they know are not acting as per Islam, but they wrongly say, take it that this is the behavior of Muslims, so this must be Islam. So now when they see that, they don't want to do that. They say, no, this is not what I want in life. I'm already suffering with the same story. I'm also living the same kind of life. What's the difference between me and this person? I do all the wrong things, this person is doing the wrong things too. So what's the difference? Why should I now take the step of becoming a Muslim? So now this stopped them. Why it stopped them? Because they didn't like what they saw. Why they didn't like what they saw? Because it was wrong. They mistook it as Islam. That was not Islam. But those who saw the right things, they saw what the reality of Islam was. So what they did, they took it. So now the big issue again is, those who took something, they took it because they liked it. And those who left it, they left it because they did not like it. That's a separate matter, that they did not like it because what they saw was not Islam. That was something wrong somebody was doing. But they didn't take what they didn't like. And when people liked something, they took it. Now if a person is not aware of the beauty of Islam, that's his ignorance. But anybody who saw it, like this now journalist saw it, so she took it. But now, that's the point of reflection for us. Somebody came from a western lifestyle, came from all that so-called freedom, came from all the things that now, many a Muslim looks out unfortunately, and thinks that might be very nice. She came from all that was so-called very nice. But then she saw the beauty of Islam and adopted it wholeheartedly, fully, and was more than happy to take on the Islamic culture and the way of life. Why? Because she liked it. Now, that's the point now we need to turn the attention to ourselves. When we sometimes, instead of keeping onto what we already have, the beautiful deen of Islam and the culture and the Mubarak way of Rasulullah somebody leaves that and takes on something else from a different culture. Now this journalist left that immodest dressing, but now some Muslim woman is taking that. Why is she taking that now? So just as this woman came from a western background and she took the Islamic culture. Why she took it? Because she liked it. Nobody takes that western culture without liking it. Nobody dresses in that immodest manner without liking it. But now liking what? How can a person like that? But unfortunately that's the reality. That a person will only take it because they liked it. They thought it was something good. Now somebody will say, but if it is rotten, how can you like it? That is the crucial matter, that when there is a person uh, has become blinded, there's all smoke and fog in front of him, and he can't see, so now he picks up any filth and any dirt and he doesn't know what he's picking up. And he thinks now he got something in his hand. He put something in his pocket, he put filth in his pocket, but he doesn't know, he thought he found something valuable, because he's blinded. So likewise, the propaganda of the West, 
and getting constantly exposed to this western lifestyle and this western culture and the misconception as some non-muslims are in the misconception that muslims are muslim women are oppressed and they probably are having a very hard time and they are probably uh, this, this kind of dressing and this kind of uh, segregation and all this is a real burden and it's a real uh, musibat on them. Now that's the misconception that they have out there. Unfortunately, many Muslims have the misconception that this Western lifestyle is very great. Na'uzubillah. That this Western lifestyle is that is what Na'uzubillah gives the happiness and that is what is fun and that is what is good. Now they are also in that misconception. But now because of this misconception they think it is good so they are liking it. But now the, the, the very very dangerous thing is when somebody likes something and they take it and what they had they left it so what it means? It means that you liked something outside and you didn't like what you already had inside. Now what do we have what is inside? What we have what is inside it's not so blatant, it's not so... Nobody will say it in that manner, nobody does it with that intention consciously. Alhamdulillah, any Muslim you ask the person, and he won't say that. Nobody does it consciously, that Nauzubillah, I don't like what I have, I like that. Nobody does that consciously, but that's what he tantamounts to. What we have is the Mubarak Sunnah of Rasulullah what we have is that pure way of life that Deen has taught. What we have is that modesty and shame that Islam has given us. That shame in dressing, that shame in manner and interaction, that shame in habits and ways, that modesty and haya in every aspect of life, and all the other aspects that come along with it. This is just one factor, there's so many things, every aspect of life. What we have is that beautiful deen that Allah Ta'ala has given us. اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا Allah Ta'ala revealed this ayat to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam محدث الوداع On this day I have perfected for you your deen. اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم Deen, deen is a complete way of life. It is not just some specific actions. Every part of life is in this deen. Our ibadat, our business dealings, our social life, our character, and every aspect of life. So now, when a person, now this is a Muslim, a Muslim has guidance in every aspect of life, and has that example and the beautiful pattern of Rasulullah for every aspect of life. But now in certain things we're leaving that behind, we don't want to take that, and we're taking something from outside, we're taking the jeans and t-shirt culture, we're taking that immodest dressing. We're taking that tight-footing clothes. We're taking even that cloak to now become tight-footing. Why? Because it must conform to the culture of somebody else. So now what we left behind? And what are we saying with our actions? This is something we mentioned many times before. There's one billboard, or was one billboard once upon a time. That billboard was advertising shoes. Some shoe, whatever shoe. There was a picture of one shoe there. And there was one big caption. And the caption read that speak less, say more. Speak less, but say more. You might wonder now, if you don't speak, how are you going to say something? You tell somebody say something, and he keeps quiet. 
You say, but I told you to say something, you're not saying anything. If you don't speak, how are you going to say something? But without speaking, we say a lot of things. We might not be always saying it verbally, but we say a lot with our actions. A person, uh, somebody says something and he nods. So he, somebody said something, he didn't say a word in return, but he nodded. That nod, it expressed something, it confirmed what the person asked or what the person said, or it acknowledged something, or he turns his head left to right. He didn't say a word, but he said a lot. So he didn't speak, but he said something. He said something with his actions. So now likewise, the shoe, they were advertising the shoe and saying, speak less, say more. Meaning you will wear the shoe, so you will not be speaking anything, but by wearing the shoe, you'll be saying a lot that you are in style, and you are one better than others because you are wearing this shoe. Now that's all the advertising gimmicks that they make people now fall for, that item and that product, by making them feel that now if they're going to wear that particular item, they're going to be somebody. But now the lesson to take from this is, that when we adopt something in our life, we may not be speaking something, but we are saying a lot. We are saying what is in our hearts. We are saying what are our preferences. What are our likes and dislikes. We are saying a lot, though we are speaking nothing sometimes. So what type of dressing we adopt is saying a lot. It's saying something about what's in our hearts. What type of lifestyle we adopt in general, it's saying something about what's in our hearts. Where our allegiance lies. Who we are finding to be more attractive. Who we are feeling more inclined to. Where do we feel that the real beauty lies? In the way of the West or in the Mubarak Sunnah of Rasulullah so now the person who's adopting the sunnah, adopting the modesty of deen, adopting the haya that Nabi Islam taught, that deen has given us, adopting the way of life that Islam has shown us, that person also is not sometimes saying anything, but that person is speaking anything, but that person is saying a lot, saying this is what's to be done. This is the way of life to be taken. This is the way the beauty lies. And this is what's going to bring success in dunya and akhirat. So now, we need to start reflecting on this. We discussed that on the occasion of Ashura, when we spoke about the fast of Ashura, that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Sumu Ashura Keep the fast of Ashura, but oppose the way of the Jews. And then the explanation of why this was done. Now that was not just for the passing. We discussed it and done now. But now what, what change have we made? How much have we reflected on this? Have we made some change? That this particular garment is totally out of line. There's no way I can wear this ever again. Because this doesn't conform to the haya of Rasulullah at all. Let alone outdoors, indoors, anything. Because this is a complete manifestation of the way of the Yahud and Nasara. I'm not going to wear this. Have we, if any such thing does, is in our possession, have we reflected and done this? Now that's just one thought. Like that there's so many things that we need to reflect upon. What kind, someday Allah Ta'ala makes it possible and Allah Ta'ala grant everybody good homes. Someday my uh, nikah would take place. Allah Ta'ala bless everybody with spouses that will be compatible and fulfill all the requirements in a most wonderful manner. 
the point is, what kind of, these things, thoughts will come to the mind, what kind of wedding I'm going to have. Many people start so-called dreaming about the dream wedding. What kind of dream wedding? The dream wedding in big inverted commas is a nightmare wedding. That dream is a nightmare. Because that kind of wedding which draws down the wrath of Allah Ta'ala is not a dream wedding, that's a nightmare wedding. Unfortunately, many people dream about the nightmare wedding. They want to have this kind of thing and that kind of thing, things which are haram, things which are totally shameless, things which go against the dictates of the, uh, the, the direction of deen. Now, have we decided to change that dream already? And dream about what is really worth dreaming about? That how can I be also part of those who do things in the completely sunnah manner? And I will be, inshallah, among those who will earn the blessings of Allah Ta'ala, the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. And when Nabi Wasallam, I will have to face him on the day of Qiyamah, he'll be so pleased. And he will give me the water of kawthar with his Mubarak hand. Because I shunned the way of the Yahud and Nasara in that wedding. Whether it was my own wedding, my sister's wedding, whoever's. And I wanted to do that which is in accordance with the sunnah. Now this thinking starts from now. If we start thinking like this from now, inshallah as the time gets closer, we'll think even more closer to the sunnah. And from now we start dreaming of the nightmare wedding, Allah forbid where we'll finish off. Now these are just some little pointers. There are so many more aspects that we have to reflect on and think deeply and start making changes. Everything won't happen overnight, but we have to start making changes. We have to start changing our thinking. Start thinking in the light of the Quran and Sunnah, in the light of the values of the Quran and Sunnah. And inshallah in this way, our life in dunya also will become extremely successful and the real success is of the Qabr and Akhirat. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la muhsi thana'an alayk anta kama asnayta ala nafsik. Allahu la ilaha illahu alhayyul qayyum. وعنت الوجوه للحي القيوم يا أحدا صمدا لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا غلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم صلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه معين والحمد لله